morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to our service this morning. If you didn't know or were unaware, today is our Harvest Thanksgiving service. Um, if you're on email, we did ask people if they wanted to, to bring in non-perishable goods to donate during the service for the food bank that uh, we run one of the distribution centres here. And also there'll be a monetary offering which will go towards Cottenham Cares, um, who send money to um, help and support Syrian refugees. So there's two ways of giving. You can give to both, you can give to one, you can give to neither. But um, it's good on harvest to think of others and to give if we can. So we have our prayer focus, which are the things that we will be praying for During 2017-2018, we normally renew this in the September, so we run academic year uh, for our prayer. Don't know why. Um, And these are the points on here, and we've put more specific points down so that you can know specifically what to pray for. We would invite you to use these in your own personal prayers, but also if you meet in prayer triplets, and when we meet in house group and when we meet together, we'll be praying through some of these things as well. I have mine, I, if you've got the email, you see, so I have mine pinned up above the kettle. Simon did this for us, pinned up above the kettle, so that when I'm pouring tea, I could glance up and see one of the points and just have a quick pray. Don't know whether that would work for you, it works for me. So, uh, there you go. Well, as it is harvest, well, our harvest, I know harvest sort of goes over a number of weeks in our village, Salvation Army, last week, and now it's us. Um, I wondered... If you could answer this question among yourselves, talk to each other. It's a very hard, in-depth and deep question. If you were a fruit or a vegetable, what would you be and why? One minute. If you were a fruit or a vegetable, what would you be and why? Go. Okay, do we have any... Does anyone want to come up here to tell everyone... Go on, come up, go on. I was just asking people, everyone just sits there going, uh, does anyone want to come up and tell me? Oh, I've got a microphone here. Oh, do you want to come up or do you want me to? Oh, hold on a minute, Grace. Will this reach? A sprout. A sprout? Why would you be a sprout? Oh, it's tiny. Sprouts have an unfortunate effect on me, I'm not sure... <laughs> But not you, not you, Phoebe. Not. Lovely to eat. They're lovely to eat. <laughs> Grace. Cucumber. A cucumber. Why would you be a cucumber? Because I like them so much. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. They contain a lot of water as well. It's good for you. Excellent. Oh, well, go walking. <laughs> Grace, do you want to come with me? Come on, let's go. Right, anyone else? Come on, then. Oh, you're not going to... Okay, on. I want to be a strawberry. Why would you be a strawberry? Not because they are runners or because they go everywhere and have pretty flowers or anything like that, but just because strawberries can... They're simple. They're simple. And sweet. And sweet. <laughs> Grace, do you want to hold my microphone? Come on. Anyone else? Just, just point it towards Sean. <laughs> John, what do you want Thank to you. I was actually thinking the same thing as Conrad, a strawberry. Because they're sweet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyone else up here? Oh, God. Oh, God. 
I'd be an apple because then the pip in the middle, might the seed might regrow and I can be another tree and then I keep going. That's very good. That's very good. Oh, your sister's not going to answer. Okay, fine. Right, moving round. Further back, further back. Go on, Grace. Keep going. I'll go back up the front. You keep going. <laughs> I'm going to pinch Julia's idea. I'll be a mango because then I'd be somewhere nice and hot. That's nice, like that, like that. Anyone else around there, Grace? I'd, I'd be a runner bean because they're long and thin. Oh, very good. Okay, one, one more from that side. Um, I'd be a, a radish. A, a radish? Yeah. Because? Because some people like them and some people don't. Oh. Yeah. Um, there's someone right down here, Grace. There we go. What fruit are you? What fruit are you? Anana. Anana? <laughs> Why would you be anana? Because they're, they're nice. Because she's a bit of a banana. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are a bit of a banana. I didn't. I, it's your mother said that. Okay, let's go around here. Let's have a couple more. I'd be a prickly pear. A prickly pear? Yeah. Because they're prickly. Yeah. Oh, okay. They go on cactuses. Wonderful. Anyone else? No. Oh, everyone's looking a bit shy and nervous. One more, Grace, and then and then. Um, anything right now? Uh, but, um, strawberry. Another strawberry. Strawberries are very popular. Yeah. Are we talking about fruit as well? Was yes. It? Fruit or veg. And uh, so what can we say about it? Um, uh, well, uh, uh, perhaps make me a sweeter person. <laughs> very sweet Even. again. Thank you, Grace. A round of applause for Grace, please. Wasn't really a very encouraging round of applause. You could do another one that was better. Okay. At harvest, traditionally, it was about fruit and veg and crops from the field, and people would bring them in and gather them in and harvest them and bring them to church to thank God that actually He provided the rain and He provided the environment and He provided the food for another year. Of course, nowadays we go to the shops, and so we don't have that same sense that. We need God to provide so that we get that food in tins and in packets. We don't have the same sense that actually we rely on the weather and God provides all that to grow and to give us what we need. And so we widen harvest to not just think about the crops from the field, but to think about all that God has given us. We thank God for our lives. We thank God for our friends. We thank God for our family. We thank God for the food we eat. We use this day to thank God for giving us everything that we have. This very famous first verse in Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And today we gather to thank God for his world. In a moment we're going to bring up our harvest offering. As I said, this is two offerings if you like one is non-perishable goods for food bank if you don't know what food bank is it is a place where people can come um, to get food if they are in desperate need if they have 
no food for the immediate next two or three days and they come and they receive and collect food um, from here and from various other places across the country. Um, and there's lots of people in that kind of situation, especially now, lots of people who will have to choose between heating and food. And so it's good to bring stuff which we have to offer to those who have nothing. The second offering is a monetary offering and will go to help um, Syrian refugees, people who actually have nothing, no homes, um, nothing. And they're there and totally rely on those around them. Um, And Cottenham Cares has raised a huge amount of money over the last two years, is it now? I think it's nearly two years, maybe 18 months, and continue to raise money through various different events. And at our harvest, we um, add to that and offer um, money to be used um, for other people's good. So those will be our offerings. During our next hymn, when uh, we start singing, I do invite you to bring up to the front and place on this table, in front of our wonderful heart, which we made last week at our breakfast service, if you weren't here, um, because we were talking about loving God with all of our hearts and loving our neighbour as ourselves, and so thought it appropriate that we can bring and place our food um, up here. Um, If it doesn't all fit on the table, place it around on the floor. And then when everyone has brought their food up and gone back to where they are, bags will come round for money. It will be seamless. It will be wonderful. If you would like to give money, please do. If you would like to write a cheque, please write it to Cottenham Baptist Church and then we will send all the money on to Cottenham Cares uh, later on. So everything will happen during our next hymn, the bringing up of food, and then when everyone's gone back to their places, the offering of bags for money. Please give as you can as we think of others um, on this day. So let's stand and sing this wonderful traditional harvest hymn for the beauty of the earth. Let's stand and sing together. And when we start, do bring up uh, your offerings this morning. Of course, on harvest, we are very thankful for all that God has given us, but we're also aware that there are many people who are suffering and struggling and many places in the world where people will find it hard to be thankful. I was reading a few things about uh, people who don't have um, enough food and was surprised by some of the statistics. One in every nine people go to bed hungry each night. And I was guessing this didn't mean that they felt a little bit peckish or thought they wanted another biscuit, but actually they went to bed really hungry. 795 million people still go to bed on an empty stomach and one in three suffer from malnutrition. In a world where there is enough food to go around, more than enough food. Every year consumers in rich countries like ours waste 222 million tonnes of food. There's a lot of things happening in the world that we could prevent as human beings. There are also only 10 countries in the world that are free from war or conflict. And considering there are 160-something countries in the world, something like that, that's not many. In the Syrian conflict alone, more than 400,000 people have been killed and millions have been displaced. And there is an estimated 65.6 million displaced people around the world. This is the equivalent to one in every 113 people in our world. We know there's a lot of need and we know there's a lot of warfare and we know there is a lot of unfair situations in the world. 
And so I'd like to invite Pat up and we're going to pray for some of these situations now. Read this morning from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting at verse 10 um, and finishing at verse 18. Which says this. It's Moses talking to the Israelites. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you in this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied... Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Simon's um, a bit of a romantic. That's my husband, if you don't know who that is. And he likes romantic films. When we first got married, I, um, my favourite type of films were, you know, gritty, real-life dramas. And he was horrified. Why do you want to watch those, Kate? They're so depressing. Why don't you watch a rom-com? And I'm like, a rom-com? You're having a laugh. Well, now I'm really into rom-coms. They're my favourite films. I don't really like nitty-gritty. I'll watch them, but, you know, get, I get a bit depressed. But rom-coms, well, they're good. Well, he introduced me to one film uh, called P.S. I Love You. I don't know whether anyone's ever seen that. It's really quite sad. Um, but it's about a young couple who are married, and then he gets diagnosed with a brain tumour, and he dies. But unbeknown to her, before he died, he wrote all these letters and things like that to her. And he left them so they would come through the post at different times or be given to her by different people. And the idea was that these letters would encourage her to live her life when he was gone. It's all quite emotional and sad. You really don't want to watch it if you're prone to crying because you'll just be weeping. But it's also, you know, quite nice. There's things that he says and things that happen which bring a smile to your face. He's written letters to be read after he has gone to help her. And, you know, in a similar way, when we look at the book of Deuteronomy, which which seems nothing like a rom-com, and in fact it isn't, but it is a bit like a last letter. It's like Moses' last letter to the Israelites. It is, in fact, his farewell speech to those who are about to go into the promised land. 
Joshua is now the leader of Israel. Moses is no longer the leader. Joshua has taken over and he is the leader. He's taken over from Moses and the Israelites are in Moab and they're waiting to go into the promised land. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They've got to the edge of the promised land and they're waiting to go in and Joshua is about to lead them. And Moses is there But he's not allowed to go in because of something that happened in the wilderness. God said, you will never enter the promised land. And Moses knows this. And so right now, he's giving his final speech to the Israelites to encourage them to live when he is gone. And this is the book of Deuteronomy. This is what it is. He lays out what he wants the Israelites to carry on. And the main theme of the book, as you might imagine, is God. That's the main theme of the book. Or rather, remembering God. The God who rescued the Israelites from Pharaoh. The God who brought them out of Egypt. The God who walked with them during the wilderness years. Moses is calling Israel to remember God. From this day on, so that they can live faithfully in the land that he has promised to give them. Because you see, Moses is worried. As anyone who has led people or looked after people or nurtured people would be worried. Because the Israelites are about to enter a new land and he's not going to go with them. They're about to enter that land that's flowing with milk and honey where they will live and they will grow and they will prosper. Where their lives will be settled. And he's worried they'll forget God. He's worried that they'll forget. Not necessarily about him or that there is a God but he's worried that they will forget that in their suffering and in their slavery and in their escape and in their wanderings over the past 400 years they will forget that God has been with them and they will forget that it is God who has led them in other words they won't forget God they won't forget there was a God but rather Moses is worried they will forget who God is They will forget what God has done. They will forget who God has called them to be and how he has called them to live. And that when they forget all this and they're enjoying the life that he has given them, they will say to themselves, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me, has produced where I am now. Or if you like, when they forget all about God they will think that what they have is all down to them and they will no longer see their need to rely on him, to trust in him, because they will see all they have as given by them, something they are entitled to, something they've worked hard to get. They'll no longer see their need of God. Do you know there's a story that... um, I read a little while ago, and it's about a little village that was beautiful, it's a lovely little village, um, and it had a wonderful um, lake in it that, that was fed by a lovely stream that came down the mountainside, and it was a village that was very beautiful, it used to attract lots of visitors, because it, its water was very clear, and the flowers and the plants that grew around this lake were unusual, because you couldn't find them in many other places. And there used to be a man who was employed by this village to keep the very top of the stream at the the top of the mountain clean. So that when the water ran down into the wonderful lake they had in their village, it was always clean and beautiful and pure. 
And he didn't do a lot of things. He'd just go up the mountain each day and he'd take some of the leaves out and the rubbish and anything that had gathered there. And so the water would run down very fresh and clean. And for doing this, he was paid a very small amount of money. And this went on for years and years and years. And he was known as the keeper of the spring because he kept it all clean and well. And then one day, the uh, village council gathered and they were trying to work out how to save money. Times were hard. They wanted to work out what to do. And in the books, there was this little amount of money that went to the keeper of the spring. And it had been years since this man had started the job. And some people were new and they said, well, what, what, who is this? What is this amount of money here? I don't understand. And some of the older people went, oh, it's the man that keeps the top of the spring clean. And thought, well, do we need this? Why do we need this? Went, well, he doesn't do a lot. But let's just, OK, let's cut it out. We'll save a bit of money. And so they got rid of the keeper of the spring. They took away the money. They didn't need him. Everything was beautiful and wonderful. And things went by beautiful and wonderful for a few months. Visitors still came. The unusual plants still grew. But then after a while, the water started to get a bit murky. And the plants started to not prosper as well. And the unusual plants that had grown before started to die. And then the lake became a bit green. And then... The, the village didn't look so nice. And then visitors stopped coming. And then everything started to go a bit wrong. And the council gathered again and they said, what shall we do? And they decided that maybe they should re-employ the keeper of the spring. So they put that little bit of money in and they told him to do his job. And he was delighted. And of course, when he started to clear out the spring again, the waters became clear and the lake became beautiful and the unusual plants grew and the visitors came back. You see, Moses in his farewell speech is worried that the people of God in a settled land with comfort and wealth and peace would fail to see their need of God like the people in the village failed to see their need of the keeper of the spring. Why do we need that person? Why do we need God, when we have all that we want. Moses was worried they would fail to see the need for the God who had created them and sustained them. And so they would take their eyes from him. And instead of trusting him, they would believe in their own strength and their own wisdom to sustain them, which Moses knew would ultimately lead to ruin and destruction. A life that God didn't want any of them to have. And so he warns them to be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. And instead to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Moses urges the people of Israel in his final speech to continue to put God in his rightful place, even if they have everything they need. And you know, today, in the culture in which we live, in our relatively settled and comfortable and wealthy and peaceful lives, in our society where the ethic is to work hard to gain the rewards that you rightly deserve, It's easy, I think, for us, just like the Israelites, to be in danger of forgetting the God who created us. Not forgetting there is a God, 
not forgetting that he is here, but rather forgetting who he is, forgetting what he has done, forgetting who God has called us to be and how he has called us to live. If you like, it's easy in our culture and our environment to believe that what we have is due to the hard work that we have put in. We take it as a given that we should have a certain standard of life. We're human beings. This is what we deserve. So we work and we stress and we worry to keep that standard going, to enable life to be as we would like it to be. And in doing so, there's a danger we forget to trust God, the God who has rescued us, the God who has brought us out of darkness, the God who has provided for our every need in the past. The God who longs for our lives to be so much better than we could ever imagine. Which is why Moses said, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember the Lord your God, because it is he who provides the things you so desperately work for. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Remember the Lord your God. And yet it's so hard. It's so hard, I think, to remember God. Not to remember there is a God, and not to remember that God is here. But rather it's hard to remember God in the sense that we trust him for our needs and our desires. It's hard to remember God and to faithfully give our lives to him each day. In an environment where we often believe and indeed are brought up to aspire to the belief that we can do things for ourselves, it's hard to put our trust in God. Which I guess is why Moses is so keen to remind the Israelites and also to remind them how they can trust God. He doesn't just say, well, remember God, and then leave it at that, and they're like, how do we do that? He tells them how to do it. He shows them practically how they can place God at the centre of their lives every single day in the simplest of ways. And that's just by saying thank you. In verse 10, he says this, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. When you have done the most simplest of things, Moses says, Thank God. Thank God for what he has given you. Praise God for what you have. Look to God in gratitude for how he provides for your every need. And you know, this is such a simple thing which any of us can do, but which over the years we've sort of reduced down to saying grace at mealtime. That's our thank you when we have food. When what Moses is actually urging the Israelites to do is be thankful in all things, in the simplest things of life, so they can keep God in his rightful place and trust him with their lives. You know, and as we meet here today on harvest and we offer things to God, this is what we can do also. This is what we can remember to do in our lives, in the simplest of ways. Instead of taking what we have as given or as our rightful things, we can turn to God and thank him. 
when we eat good food, when we sleep in a warm bed, when we get through a bad day, when we look at what we have around us, when we wake up and we breathe, the first thing we can say is, thank you for this day. And we remember God, that without him, we wouldn't be able to live. Let's pause for a moment as maybe we think about all the things we have, which we take as given, which we take as our right, which we think the work of our hands has produced for us. Let's just take a moment and pause and think of all those things and maybe quietly in our hearts, just thank God for them. And then we're, um, as we remain seated, we're just going to sing a song as we offer our lives to him again. God made all things just for the joy of it like an artist. Jonathan Edwards said, the whole world is like God's gallery, displaying God's magnificent works of art. Everything around us is telling us about God. Every snowflake whispers, it's God who made us beautiful, not us, but him. Every woodland creature proclaims, how beautiful is the one who made us. God is singing to our hearts through a silver birch blazing like lightning in a forest of firs. The universe is telling us it didn't create itself. God did. And the masterpiece that God created, above all things, is you and I. So let's spend the moments we can thanking God for all that he has given us. We're going to stand and sing our final hymn together this morning. Come, ye thankful people, come. A wonderful harvest hymn as we offer ourselves to God and thank him for all that he's given us. Let's. I've been challenged recently to put Jesus first. Sounds very simple. I guess as a minister, people might expect that, but it's challenging to put Jesus first. And often you can think, oh, it's too difficult. How can I do it? We can do it by thanking God each day for the tiny things that he gives us. And gradually out of that, we will find that we put him above all else. So may God bless us and keep us. May we learn to put Jesus first. May we thank God for all the things that he has given us. And may he work in our lives in new and wonderful ways. Amen. Please be seated.